Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. You gave, me, you gave me a crazy look there when I said that. No, I'm on identical. board now. identical. Guys, we are back in the studio today. I actually think it's been about a year. Almost exactly, probably. Yeah, actually almost exactly a year, I think. Yeah. And what a year it's been. If you think back to how the world was, I thought I was going overseas to LA for a bunch of meetings for two weeks. Mm. Eight months later, entered the country again. And (laughs) is it called pandemic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, unlike that game, COVID actually made it to Greenland, which never actually (laughs) happens when you actually play that game. You can never get that country infected it's awful um too funny and then we were back we were back in the same country and something happened that we didn't tell anyone about at the time um but elliot do you want to yeah the the two things that got in the way of us being able to actually get back into uh using the studio was number one grace going to canada and then um was it did it happen when you were back or did it, it happen It literally after? happened the week before I got back. I was going to say, very, very close. Um, the office got robbed. Yeah. Bunch of people with crowbars broke their way yeah. in. And um, honestly, embarrassingly bad robbers. Yeah. Like actually awful. Like I, I was watching the video and I was personally... I was outraged. By we didn't we didn't talk about it at the time because we didn't want to draw attention to it and the police were investigating it. And so all of us had to keep our mouths shut. But... If you follow along with the podcast or the people that we work with in this office, which is like a bunch of the big YouTubers, you probably would have noticed a period where people were either working from home or like went a little bit silent or like had to redo their setups a little bit. And it was because, yeah, we were robbed. It was kind of crazy. They came in at like five o'clock in the morning, which to me, I thought was kind of a weird time to like try and burgle a place. It was so weird. It was, it was number one, they, they robbed the place at no, it wasn't. It wasn't 5 a.m. It was 6.30 a.m. Crazy. So literally uh, one of the first uh, people uh, was coming into the building for work as they left. Yeah. So like number one, what the f- are you doing robbing an office at 6.30 on a weekday, like a work day, people yeah. coming into work. And then also True. on top of that, what the f- they literally, and this is an exaggeration. I don't know if you know this part. They stole a putting green. Like Lannan had just it's ordered so funny. Lannan had just ordered like a strip of fake grass with like a little putting hole at the end of it. Yeah. They stole that. But they went into like my room. I didn't have to redo my setup. Cause they walked into my room where I've got a four thousand dollar DSLR camera and like and I had Samsung phones multiple, like on my desk, like valuable stuff everywhere. And they put their head in, their, in my room, they're like Oh yeah, can't see anything in there worth taking. Oi, Jim, don't forget the fucking putting green. <laughs> Literally insane. It was uh, but so you know funny. what? My favorite part about the whole mm-hmm. thing, because we basically we have cameras all over the office. So we could do like yeah. a full replay so of the whole experience. Don't bloody try it. If well, you're hearing this and you think, oh yeah, could be fun, don't. We I, have I was also hour security now. We yeah, have a I was actually I was actually gonna say we now actually do have a 24-hour security guard here all the time. So I wouldn't recommend it. This guy 
the robber got up to our level, opened the fridge, took a Gatorade out, cracked the Gatorade open, and was just walking around, just sipping on a Gatorade as as he was like trying to take stuff. It's quite bizarre. And in like <sighs> the the funniest and like biggest explanation of how dumb these robbers were, they stole an iPad. They stole an iPad. And the iPad has, has find tracking. my iPad on it, which as soon as we knew we'd been robbed, the person that owned the iPad did find my iPad and could literally see it moving across Sydney and where it landed. And ultimately at a house. We were able to tell the police the exact address of where this iPad had been taken to. And it took a while, but we got there. They caught the guys. Justice has been served. They are Insurance now in jail, has been paid out. And we have finally got some new cameras but, and microphones. But, and I actually, like, I couldn't believe this happened. Like, I actually thought this was, like, something out of a movie. So when they eventually went and arrested the people at the, um, who, you know, they thought it might have been, because it was actually days or weeks even between when the place got robbed to when, because obviously, like, you know, there are very strict laws around what enables you to be able to arrest someone or even mm. go into their house and yeah. be like, hey, did you, As were you the ones? Yeah. yeah. So it actually took them quite a while. Um, Lannan literally went, Lannan, Lannan took it personally. He went and hired like teams of private <laughs> investigators to track them down. Lannan was, Lannan literally like, you fucking poor robbers of all the places yeah. you could have robbed. You robbed the place with a fucking millionaire 20 year old with a grudge who will literally dedicate yeah. six figures to finding you and hurting you. To be clear, no one was hurt. To, yeah, physically. to be clear, no one was hurt <laughs> physically. But the point is that uh, like not most places would be like, oh, we got robbed. It's fine. The insurance will pay out. Maybe the cops will get them, like whatever. No, no. Lannan was like, I'm going to find them and they are going to pay. Like that was he like, of, they really? and, and you know what? He's got the funds to make sure that that happens. <laughs> I think for a while we weren't sure if they knew where they were robbing. And I think in hindsight now they definitely, we, we know I that they didn't. They I didn't know. They, did. they weren't targeting us specifically. But I think it's really funny because of all the people that they could stumble along. They've taken down the people that like have large internet followings can hold a grudge yeah. and will do whatever it takes to feel as though justice has been served. Yeah, and have just <laughs> enough free cash that they will spend it to make sure that you pay. <laughs> um, anyway, the police did their job in the end. Nothing needed to happen. Is after they eventually, a few weeks after, went and arrested these people and they were going through the house and they were like uh, looking for items that might have been taken from the office. And obviously they'd taken, you know, cameras and a bunch of actual stuff. But by the time they actually got to the house, obviously they'd, they'd moved it, you know, they'd um, put mm -hmm. it into, you know, sold it. I don't know what the fuck people do when they rob a place. Yeah. But they found one item that was from the office and they sent us a photo to be like, <laughs> hey, just confirming this is like one of the items taken from the office. Do you know what it is? Do you, do you remember I this? I think I do know what it is. It was, you actually can't make this up. It was a box of clown noses, literally. It was uh, when Keemstar, Keem when he did his makeup palette, it was like makeup and it also had like a bunch of clown noses in the box. Lannan had got the makeup palette and I think the makeup had was gone at that point, but they stopped just to really highlight the fact these guys had no fucking clue what they were stealing. <laughs> um, they stole this box of clown noses and clearly they got back to the house and they were figuring out what you could sell and what you couldn't. They're like, yeah, this box of clown noses is probably not going to pull big value on the open market. Um, so the police set us 
a photo of a box of cloud noses. Kim and Stark. that literally, you cannot make up. The thing that can that, that like absolutely locks you in is you were the ones who robbed the place. Like you're guilty, <laughs> we gotcha. Is a box of clown noses. From like fucking star. From Keemstar. <laughs> like take one of those noses each and put it on and like wear it when you go to court. <laughs> like, holy shit. Actually incredible. Anyway, it would anyway. be it would be bloody hilarious to like rob an office and then end up robbing our office. Like the amount of random crap that is in this place. Oh my You'd god. You'd be like, where? Am I? Most, and I feel so bad because most of the time you would rob an office and you, it's pretty clear like what's what's valuable and what's not. In this office, you walk in, there's fucking boxes and packages <laughs> and just weird shit. There's boxes of clown noses and putting greens <laughs> that are wrapped up on the ground. To clarify, the putting green was in a box. So they thought they were stealing some like high-end like tech in a box. It's so they got funny. home and they found they got a fucking putting green. That Actually, was the story of the click office being robbed. Don't try it again. You won't succeed. We do now have 24-hour security <laughs> and we also have a lot more cameras and we also got a fucking oh good alarm God. system installed. Seriously. So don't even try it if there are any robbers listening. But um, How's the rest of your week been? Yeah, rest of my week's been good. Rest of my week's been good. Um, I had on content for once, which is lovely. Love that uh, for Fortnite you. is, you know, still slowly dying and you can't really grow off it anymore, which sucks because I'm at 9.5 million. And I always said, literally, since I've been at a million subscribers, I was like, you know what would suck? Getting like right, right <laughs> next to 10 million. And I've talked to you about this. So I was like, it would suck so much to get right next to 10 million and then your growth slows. I fully get that. I fully get that. And it's easy for me to say not having 9.5 million subscribers and just wanting the extra you know, to tick over that massive milestone. But I think like it really is just a number. And I feel like you've done so much stuff outside of just your own music YouTube channel that you're going to look back on over the last five years and be like, wow, like my YouTube experience was very multifaceted. Oh, and I'm sure it'll still get there. Like there'll be another game that comes out that all of a sudden you can actually grow yeah. off and it'll be fine. He's not um, going anywhere soon, folks. You're not ready yet. Well, uh, in some other exciting news, my week, we're launching a new podcast this oh, week. Oh, yeah. So guys, I'm launching an individual podcast. She's sick of me. <laughs> Watch time will still be here every week, of course, but we are going to be doing another podcast called Rookie CEO. So Rookie CEO is much more like a public journaling of my experience trying to grow, grow click management and run click as a company and the challenges and hurdles and highlights that have come out of that journey um, over the last few years and really have it be like a real time experience of what it's like working with creators and you know, trying to build something from the mm. ground up. So the first episode of Rookie CEO is actually available right now. It'll be linked in the description wherever you're listening. So make sure you go and listen to that right after you listen to this and give it a little follow and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to see if you guys like it. So please give me the feedback on whether or not you like it. Okay, so Elliot. Let's get into the first topic. We have two topics today. today. One of them is kind of a general, um, you know, I was initially like, oh, is this even like something that we would normally go into on watch time? But it actually is because it, it relates to digital content, content online and other stuff. And then the other mm. thing we're going to talk about a, uh, a little bit later is very much gaming tech online mm -hmm. related, which is Nintendo. But uh, topic number one, Grace, topic, reel it in. Topic number one. So Australia woke up today. Wow, that sounds so dramatic. Australia woke up today. And if you logged on Facebook, you would have noticed 
that basically all of the news and media sites and pages on Facebook have um, been blocked or taken down. Basically, no one's able to post. If you click on the page, it shows that there's no content there. And this is obviously a massively dramatic move. Mm. And it's a result of an ongoing tension between the Australian government trying to pass what they're calling the media bargaining laws at the moment. And the media bargaining laws are The principle of them is that basically uh, search sites and publishers of news and social media sites, which they count basically as publishers of news, should have to pay for quality journalism. You should have to pay for good news and basically what they're trying to encourage or what they're trying to enforce is that platforms like Google and Facebook should have to pay the media companies to be able to show the content on their platform. This has been highly controversial. Um, I personally don't, and I'm not, I'm not saying that the law isn't like, I I, I literally can't say if it's right or wrong because I actually just, it sounds so weird to me that I think I just fundamentally don't understand, but sorry, please continue. Well, I think you're in the same boat as Facebook because Facebook has blocked all of the sites now, basically saying to the Australian government, no, 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 you guys just don't actually understand how this relationship works. <laughs> how not- this works is we're a multi-billion dollar conglomerate <laughs> who owns the entirety of the online space. And if you fuck with us, we'll take away your toys. <laughs> I think Facebook is just like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not paying for you to be able to be on Facebook. You are blessed that we are letting you on Facebook. Facebook is basically like, you're so lucky that you're even here because we generate so much viewership of your own news for you that people read on Facebook organically. Mm. So Facebook's basically trying to, I mean, it's kind of a bit of a big dick competition, I think. It's like the government saying, hey, hey, you want news? You have to pay for it. And Facebook's saying, actually, we don't. You know and you're you know, lucky to be here and we're not paying for it. You know what's so crazy as well? Like it's actually wild and a testament to like the power of a company like Facebook these days. But that literally the words you use right there, it's a big dick competition. Normally when you're talking about the government, there is no big dick competition. It's like, no, mm. no, no, we're the government. We make laws. We arrest people. Like we, like mm. literally we own everything like we are the government yeah there is no big dick competition here if we tell you to jump you'll jump yeah. otherwise you're done At, but facebook one of the very few companies that can actually have a big dick competition with a government yeah because they're like no 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 yeah sure cool you're a fucking first world country and you're one of you know the like global powerhouses in like a lot of different ways but also with Facebook. So so basically Facebook said that last year, Facebook generated approximately 5.1 billion free referrals to Australian publishers worth an estimated $407 million. And the company said that, however, what it gained from news content was minimal and made up only about 4% of what people see in their news feed. So mm. Facebook's basically saying, actually, you're not that important to us, but we should be really important to you. And I think that point that you made there about like how many companies actually could put up a fight against the government and say, hey, actually, no, uh, not many. I think there's probably like four in the world. I think it's um, Google, 
Facebook, Microsoft, and Amazon. I think the big four tech companies, it's difficult. And I think you're seeing this in the US at the moment with the number of Senate inquiries that are happening into those four companies about how they're treated because they are so large and such monopolies of what they do or arguably monopolies of what they do that they're more than just private companies anymore. They're, they're more than that. They have they the ability. Governments. They are governments in a way. And, and, Facebook is so powerful, so powerful for how um, people consume internet and advertising and politics and the ability that they have to literally sway election outcomes. I was going to say, I, I think I think Facebook's more powerful than most yeah. governments because they can literally determine who's in government. Yep, they, and I think you see another example of that with um, Apple and Google and Epic last year. You know, Google and Apple taking Fortnite off the app stores mm. and Epic really needing to have a David and Goliath moment with these massive tech companies to try and actually change the way that things are done because these companies are totally manipulating massive markets and the way that things are done. Yeah, it is like a little bit scary. And don't get me wrong, I, th- I still think I fundamentally think what Facebook did is totally fine like what they did today like absolutely like if there's a law that's suddenly going to charge them for hosting news content then by all means if they don't want to pay they can take it off that's fine but i do think there is a i don't know if scary is the right word but it is a very semi-alarming trend that uh if you look at pretty much any time over the past few years where someone's actually like stood up to one of these big companies and actually questioned any part of their business practice they're literally like a kid throwing a tantrum. They're like, how dare you yeah. question us? We will fucking, like, I will ruin you. Literally. <laughs> like Australian Apple's government. like, oh, you don't want to pay 30%? No worries. We'll just we take will you delete. off. And not only that, but they not only took it off, but they also went after Epic's family. Like, you know hypothetically speaking but like they, i was like really no no but they did like they were like they were like we're literally going to remove the unreal engine developer yeah. access which is like yeah that's literally being like we're not just punishing you for Fortnite. we're coming for everything that you love like that very punitive and i think that it's very like i think the facebook thing is so interesting because it's another example of like you know someone being like hey like uh, you know like not sure if we you know think we want to like try putting some restrictions in here and they don't only like push back, which they did. They did push back before. They flip the table. They're yeah. literally like, well, if you don't want to play by our rules, we'll just fucking, we're gone. Yeah, to be clear, the, the, the law isn't even enacted yet. It's not even through the Senate yet. Passed the House last night, which is why this happened. But, but it does seem like quite a dramatic, yeah, like flip mm. the table kind of moment. And I think even um, Amazon is a really interesting example of them sort of exerting their power as well. And obviously the Amazon marketplace, people are able to, um, you know, buy and sell whatever they like. And there are many, many small businesses that have been created purely off the back of the Amazon marketplace. Amazon is now creating a number of private label products themselves where they'll basically copy products. They use all of the data that they have from running the marketplace to understand what's selling well, mm. what's not selling well, and then they're able to create products at a cheaper price themselves and sell them. So they're basically ruining the competition of the small players on their own platform by using the data that no one else has access mm. to to create products for an audience. And 
that has been something that's been investigated very heavily as to whether or not it's anti-competitive. And Amazon's basically like, look, it's our platform. If you want to play on it, like, you're welcome. But these are the rules. And, like, this is our platform. And the rules you can are, go sell if you your make anything successful, we're going to rip it off and sell it ourselves. Literally. They're like, you can go sell it somewhere else if you want. Go down to the little markets on the weekend. <laughs> give it a go. See if you can find the same kind of audience. I think, like, just go sell it at the hardware store. Do they still have hardware stores? Yeah, they're, they still think you. Right. Yeah, they're no. basically saying like, hey, you guys are lucky that you actually have access to the audiences that you do through our platform. And I do kind of get that. And I think even with the Apple and Epic example, I, I kind of get that argument back in the day where Apple's like, look, we're just making Apple phones. You don't have to sell your apps on our store if you don't want to or if you don't feel comfortable paying 30%. But the reality is, is that that's just not the case anymore. It's not realistic to say that. It's like that is where people are, that they are the marketplaces. They, they're a complete oligopoly. And if you're going to be competitive at all, you need to be there. I was going to say, I think that, you know, there's, it's, it's all good and well to say that, oh, well, you know, like it's their platform, they can do what they want. But I think one thing that is always been fundamental and very understood is capitalism is, you know, I mean, best system that we've found so far because, you know, most of the other ones kind of exploded and led to deep corruption in socialist states. But, like, capitalism is the best system we've found so far, but it is also absolutely not perfect and it definitely needs regulation. Mm-hmm. And um, and these are good examples, like the Amazon topic you brought up, very good examples where it is needed. Like, you can be like, okay, no, it is your platform, but also especially more than ever now we're in this digital age where this is all stuff that never happened before because there was never this level of connectivity before so there was no way for a single company to build the power that these companies now have but they literally like it's kind of like if you look at each individual like segment of our society amazon with literally like purchasing anything from food to products to clothes Mm -hmm. that is by and large that is what that like that is what the world goes to. Yeah. Same with uh, connectivity, news, communication, Facebook. Uh, you know, kind of uh, finding information. Google, like everything, is now so centralized around these major powers. If you just go with the line of, well, like it's their platform, they can do what they want. Uh, that's going to get out of control very Yeah, quickly. it's also just completely unrealistic. I think for the world that we live in. But to bring it back to Facebook and what happened today. I, yeah, and, and by all means, if, if I'm fully misunderstanding, I, which I very much acknowledge I could be, please someone tweet at me and correct me. But I, I do, I do, I, I think that example you brought up is very interesting mm. in terms of like we, like, you know, Facebook's like we pushed 5 billion page views through to these news websites over the past year. And I think that it is very, very telling that, uh, and, and, like, uh, you know, I feel like news media is kind of like the poster child for, hey, we're really struggling to adapt to the new norm, which is digital online, yeah. you know? Like, they're like, wait, wait, what do you mean people won't pay $3 to have a newspaper delivered to their yeah, door every day? Yeah, so true. Like, that's our, that's our business model. That, that can't change. Um, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing them try and have subscription models and some are doing subscription models, some are just trying to show ads and they're all really, really struggling. And I do wonder if this is just another fundamental uh, 
example of, mm. you know, kind of the news media, which obviously has power over government, but kind of like literally like going up to mummy and daddy parliament house and being like, mom, we're really struggling to operate in this new business yeah. norm. Like, can you get Google to give us money? Like, what's but again, do you I'm, think, ugh. do you think to push back on that a little bit, like, do you think there is an element where actually that is necessary. And maybe that's an example where capitalism isn't working perfectly, but it is, is really important to have legitimate news and media outlets where you know where you know you're getting quality journalism. Um, in an in a era where we live in fake news. Who said that the journalism's quality? <laughs> well, like, no, but, but genuinely, I thought it was very interesting. Like it raised a really interesting topic with me. Like by and large, we all know that Rupert Murdoch owns pretty much all the fucking news in the world. And there are so many demonstrable examples where that is very much like, just because something is branded under a really professional looking news website Mm -hmm. in no way means that the news is any truer or better than what someone tweets or reports or, you know, posts anywhere. But it it was an interesting, you know, kind of thought I had because obviously this morning I woke up and I was Googling it and I was like, you know, reading about all the Facebook stuff that had happened. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And I was like, wait, where am I reading this? I'm reading this on Sydney Morning Herald or, you know, yeah. one of the, and I was like, and these are literally the websites that this decision is impacting impacting negatively. Mm. And then I was like looking at all the headlines and all the articles and the like tone behind them all. And obviously it was all like, oh, this is just another great example of why Facebook is too powerful and why this law is so desperately needed. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. You're literally like, of course you're going to say that. Like yeah. you're the news. Like yeah. you are literally the one that That's is. That's a really good you're the point. Other, you're the other dog in this fight. Like your opinion on what Facebook, why, fa- why Facebook is, is doing, yeah, what they're doing is wrong is the same as if I were to go to Facebook and they would be like, no, this is why what we're doing is right. Like you're literally the polar ends of this topic mm. and I can't go to either one. But I, but I also think though, I, I think it's, because um, don't get me wrong, like the news websites will be like, oh, but Facebook's getting value from our articles. Absolutely, absolutely true. But that's why I thought that point you brought up before was interesting. But you're also gaining, you're gaining things from uh, from Facebook actually pushing your articles back. Yeah. You know, like it's symbiotic relationships. Yeah. And I think that, um, and once again, very happy for people to tweet me and tell me I'm wrong. But I think it's also a very good example of how um, the you know, I think a lot of the time the news is looking at this and they're kind of like, oh, well, you know, like they're making money from us, therefore we should be charging them. Yeah. But it's also like, no, 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 but you're also making money from Facebook. Yeah. All those page views you're getting are generating new revenue. You're generating, like imagine if Facebook then went back to the news companies. Like every time someone shares your article or clicks on a link, you need to pay us money. And they'd be like, wait, no, that's, like once I mean, again, I guess people would say Facebook does do that by requiring that you pay for additional exposure on Facebook now. It is Facebook is a pay-to-win model if you're a page. Yeah, it is. 
but it's also I don't know I think social media in general is and isn't mm. like you know like very the, interesting discussion it is I would actually love to know what people think I think yeah. it's very very interesting I I literally don't think that I have fully formed my own opinion yet. I do my brain just from my general experience with media and how they operate over the years does err on the side of, okay, this is an example of a dinosaur industry mm. that's like clawing at the last remnants of traction they have to try and like hold on for dear life. When in reality it's moving quickly, it's getting outpaced and you either go with the flow or you die. Like, <laughs> it sounds brutal. I love when Elliot's like, mm, I haven't really made up my mind on this one, but they are a dinosaur but, and they will die. You know, <laughs> like, like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, no, no, no. I, by all means, I do want to get more informed. And I'm sure after yeah. this, I'm going to continue reading and listening and like watching so many more 100%. things. Going to have to try and find an impartial yeah. news article that isn't written by the people on the other side of the argument. I, but it is something I'm keen to learn more yeah. about. But by that same token... I do think that if you look at patterns of behavior, it's interesting because on one hand, you've got huge regulatory overreach and power that you get from a company like Facebook, which is by all means, I'm not saying better better than the news companies. I think they're all kind of doing their own horrible things in their own way. Well, sorry, I don't think news is doing horrible things. But the point being is that they're all doing things wrong. I just don't think that this law is necessarily as reflective of what something that actually needs to happen versus something that, you know, the news is like, oh, well, effectively them just trying to find an easy way to gain a revenue model in this yeah. digital space instead of fundamentally changing the way that they operate or possibly just acknowledging that this traditional news media model isn't as viable as it used to be, mm. which don't get me wrong. I value good journalism so much like you and I both obsessively listen to the daily and so many news media. I obsessively read the news, but I also do wonder whether or not it's just going to distill down. There isn't necessarily potential to have 80 different news outlets yeah. covering Sydney. You know, it's like, no, no, no. At the end of the day, the demand, the, the choice that people have now is so broad and they're able to access so many different sources. And a lot of the time as well, due to general distrust of the media, people are, going to news media outlets less and less and they're more looking for more like um uh you know homegrown you know authentic feeling yeah. sources whether that's right or wrong um and yeah whether or not it's just a dying model and this is not being done for the right reasons but very keen interesting i'm really interested more. to see what will happen yeah and this is actually very interesting uh globally because this is i think the reason that facebook and google they went so hard when this law was getting pushed like google and facebook the pushback was insane yeah google was messaging and emailing and running ads they literally had full ad campaigns i would browse reddit and there would be an ad campaign yeah. made by google telling me why this law, why the proposed law is bad and the reason that this is so relevant for everyone listening is that this is a law that I th that I think Google and Facebook both feel like if it does get passed through Australia, that it will be a kind of impetus for other governments to look at it and go, oh, okay, well, Australia is doing this. Is this something we should look at for our mm. own country? Their pushback is so intense, not because Australia is the hugest market and makes up a huge amount of their revenue. Yeah. It's because they're worried that this would be the first domino to fall yeah. in a global 
change. Sounds like ethic and apple. Yeah, literally it is. But you see these, you see these fierce fights over what in the, don't get me wrong, Epic, Epic is big and Fortnite is big, but in the scheme of Apple's business model, Epic and Fortnite aren't that big. No. But the reason you see such aggressive pushback yeah. is because of- like, they, We can't set a precedent here. Yeah, they're literally, they fear the global change. Interesting. All right, so that'll wrap us up though on the Facebook topic. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. God, I didn't expect to talk about that for as long as no, we did. No, you really I, launched right in. I really went into that. Um, no, but and now this other topic feels kind of small and, and bite-sized. But That's okay. We spoke about the first one for a long time. Yeah, the, uh, the, the reason that this podcast is a day late is because uh, we were talking about recording yesterday. And then, uh, honestly, great that we waited a day because this Facebook news also only oh my came God. today. Guys, we're, we were going to record yesterday and we had a list of like five or six topics and we were like, they're okay. We don't love them. They're not grabbing us. Yeah. And then today we wake up and we're like, okay, now, it's now served on a platter. Do we have time? Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday I was like, oh, okay, like let's wait and do it tomorrow because what happened also this morning is Nintendo Direct, which is kind of their Nintendo's big game press conference where they announce things. And the reason I was like, oh, we should wait is I was like, oh, you know, like they're going to, there'll be some cool stuff that gets announced. Like everyone's been sitting in quarantine for a year. They, what are they doing? Obviously, they're making some good games. Um, and I was expecting, you know, like a Breath of the Wild 2 or like, you know, like some some really awesome new stuff. And I'm sorry if there's any Nintendo stands out there who are going to hate me for saying this. I've, I was pretty underwhelmed. They kind of, they announced like some remakes of some old games, like, an, you know, um, Skyward Sword, like some HD remakes of classics. And that was kind of cool. Um but you know how you can always tell. I always, I always have picked this up from going to E3 every year, except for last year because of a pandemic. Um, <laughs> but from going to E3, and it's never coming back again. <laughs> yeah, but from going to E3 every year and going to so many like um, press developer conferences, you know, like Bethesda, where they announce all, all their upcoming stuff. Mm-hmm. You know how you know that they know that their conference is bad and dry, and there's not enough good stuff in it. Yeah. They announce a title that is nowhere near release. And they also clarify that it's nowhere near release. So I remember very specifically, uh, I went to the Bethesda conference in, I think it was 2017, I want to say. might have been 2018. I think it was 2018. 2017? Who knows? Um, But it was 2017 or 2018. And the whole conference was like, it was kind of like, what are you doing? Like, there's nothing that good here. I think they, it was the year I think as well, they might've announced fallout 76 but um but yeah they didn't announce anything that good uh and it was wholly underwhelming and then at the end they showed this like brief cinematic shot of skyrim being like which is obviously one of their most successful ips or i think their most successful ip um being like skyrim new skyrim game in development and it was kind of like there was no gameplay it was literally a shot of mountains with a Skyrim logo on it. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, like it's, it, it's hap- it's, it's in the works. No announcement date yet. I'll it's tell like you what, far in fucking the works? four years later and there's still no announcement date on that game. Oh my God, really? Yeah, literally. Like it's, it's such a classic developer thing when you're doing a conference and you're like, oh my God, man, that like people are gonna be so underwhelmed by this. They're like, they're like quick, what, what's like, what's what's something we've got that's like way far out? What's on out? the whiteboard right Literally, now? <laughs> what's on the whiteboard that people will get hyped for? They're like, I mean, like hypothetically, we're gonna make a new Skyrim game. They're like, good, announce 
it. Like literally, and that is exactly what Nintendo did. They announced uh, Splatoon 3 or is it Splatoon 2? I don't know. They announced a new Splatoon game and immediately qualified it with, just so you know, this thing is like super early. Like no, no announcement date yet. Like very, very far out. You've got a while to wait, but it is in the works. And here's a cool photo of the game. And you're just like, oh my God. Like literally most of the point of these is to like obviously hype up like things What's that are going to be, this year. yeah, and to get people like you know putting money aside for something that they're going to want to buy. If you're announcing something that you don't have a, a release date for, even close to, like you are acknowledging the fact that you are desperate for yes. anything to talk about. And Nintendo was pretty desperate. I think there was maybe a Breath of the Wild expansion, which is cool. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they really had anything that blew anyone's minds. How important do you think the developer conferences are these days? Because I feel like they used to be massive highlights of the year for a lot of game enthusiasts. And now, you know, not everyone's doing them. Some of people, people are doing them to different extents. Just because we don't get to party in LA doesn't mean that they're not cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I, I think, I I still think that, um, that companies value them quite a lot. Like if you still look, every company does them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, I think companies more and more though are realizing that the traditional put up a booth at E3 that you spend a million dollars on that I think that model is kind of dying down a bit. Do they ever release viewership numbers of the conferences? Um, Well, like I mean, a lot of the time they're pretty transparent because they're Mm. streamed. Right. Like a lot of the time they're quite transparently streamed. I I just think it's interesting to think about the the difference between you know where where are the main consumers of these things coming from like when mm. you mentioned before you were like oh the purpose is to get people hyped for the year ahead have them be putting aside money so that when games release they have that ready to go like how many people do you think in reality are actually doing that or how many people do you think are the casual the casual gamer that you know, isn't going to care about the release of a game until they see it on a billboard or on the side of a bus. I mean, I, I do think there is there is a huge element to building hype around something over a period of time. Like I think, you know, Cyberpunk's a good example of that. True. They were showing that for, you know, intensely showing that off for about two, you know, they announced it like seven years before, but they were intensely showing gameplay and other elements um, for about two years in advance. Mm. And the hype that built through that was huge. Um, and I also, but I, I think, yeah, I, I think it's just effectively just going to be moving more digital. Mm. I remember I had a really interesting conversation with um, someone at one of these. It was, he worked for EA and we were talking about um, uh, the booth that they'd put on. And I think there was like some, there was like a, bl- there was like a, a mini blimp floating around in the convention center that had like the branding for a certain game on it. And this is something that the convention like marketed as a product. They were like, hey, like if you want, like there's going to be this blimp going around, we will put your brand on the blimp as it's floating around. And he like pointed up at the blimp. He was like, you see that like little floating balloon? It was A blimp is a very generous term. It was right. like three meters long maybe. Okay. Um, and he was like, you see that blimp there? And this is at a small Australian conference. This wasn't at like E3. So like maybe like a couple of thousand people in attendance. Very small. He was like, you see that blimp there? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He was like, what do you reckon like cost to put your logo on it? And I was like, I have no idea. And he was like $80,000 for the day. And I was just like, I was like, bro, there's like a thousand people here. Maybe like what's your cost per, like cost per view on that. And then 
And then, you know, we got talking about like booths and how much booths cost. And I was doing like, you know, very like on the fly rough numbers, but I was being like, okay, so you're telling me the booth cost X and you're telling me that you only get, and I actually, I, I always thought the number would be way higher, but I was talking to someone at E3 and this mm. was like, and this is the EA booth at E3, but like just the cost per view, you know, I've, yeah. I've talked about it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the cost per person that comes through. And I think more and more, they're just realizing that like I talked about last week, cause you're right. Um, <laughs> those, but yeah, the, the cost per person that comes through those booths is huge versus yeah. like in a digital online world, you can share it and you're not spending anything on yeah. setting up some elaborate booth, but to get back to Nintendo being a disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Awful, awful conference. Didn't really like it at all. Um, but I do think you that think that's going to be a controversial opinion or do you feel like everyone will feel that way? Nintendo is a very interesting company. It's a very interesting company. And I think this is the other topic we were keen to talk about because uh, I, I think that more than almost any other company out there, um, they have some of the most intense fans in the world. Like if you like Nintendo games, you love, you love Nintendo <laughs> games. You're like, you're like, did you? just besmirch the name of Mario, <laughs> I will hurt you. Like like most people who love Nintendo, they fucking love Nintendo. Don't, and, and I think it's, it's Nintendo is so interesting because um, they operate so differently to any other company. And I, in many ways, at least in the game development side, I admire them so much. Like when Nintendo, Nintendo is kind of like uh, what Valve used to be, mm. which is, or sorry, no, you know what? It's like what Blizzard used to be. Well, it still kind of is actually, to be honest. I don't think they've fully lost it. But when Blizzard announces a game, like we're making this game, you're like, that's going to be a good game. <laughs> you know, you're kind of like, you, you're like, you guys aren't going to half-ass this. Yeah. You are going in and you're going in hard. Yeah. And even if it means the cost of the project is going to triple, you are going to do it properly. Yeah. You know, you look at that with like Breath of the Wild. Like I watched some behind the scenes developer videos. They went hard. They're building full prototype 2D top-down pixel games to simulate gameplay elements that they might want to include in the final product. And they, when Nintendo makes a game, they go hard. So honestly, a lot of their reputation is so well earned. You know, you look at like all the all the Mario games, um, Smash Bros, Breath of the Wild, everything. Everything they make is chef's kiss. Love it. Um but the, the, uh, the last topic I just wanted to segue in off the Nintendo conference and get your thoughts mm. on is, and I believe they are slowly reversing this now and they've kind of gone through stages. But for the longest time, Nintendo was one of the, well, I want to say one of, but I think actually the only company where they had a policy of literally not allowing anyone to make videos or content mm. on any of their games and monetize it. Little known fact, but a lot of the reason that you don't really see that many Nintendo games on YouTube is because, uh, and, and they, they did, so basically they went through stages and I'm not exactly sure what stage they're in right now, but initially if you posted any Nintendo game on YouTube, they would content ID it and claim it and effectively take all the revenue it generated. Yeah. Anything. This is a very interesting topic and I think it's one that probably a lot of viewers don't understand. But obviously on YouTube, you're not allowed to use the IP of other people. The biggest place you see this play out is with music. That's why you won't hear copyright yep. music on people's videos because the record labels will claim it and the creator can't make any revenue off it. Yep. Music is 
music and sounds in general is is basically the primary primary place you see this yeah. um, done. Technically, game developers and publishers could do this as well because you are using the IP of that game to create content that you are then making money, money off. off. Yeah. Technically, not allowed if those developers and publishers didn't want them to. The same way if you were to like literally post a video of you watching a movie and, exactly. the, and the movie is on the screen. Exactly. Like, but made the movie is like, no, 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 that's our movie. Like we own that. Exactly. It's like, even though gameplay is obviously dynamic, it's not set shots. Yeah. What happens. Everything is not is different. Everything is owned by the developer. They're like, they're like, we made that. That's ours. You, if you post a video of that, like literally every single gaming video you watch on YouTube is only allowed to be there by the grace of the developer. Yeah. The developer all of a sudden decided, um, Hey, yeah, we don't want that up. Uh, they can take it down, and a lot. And there's actually been developers that have done that. Like, a, um, doesn't happen very often, but a lot of the time, like an indie game developer mm-hmm. uh, will release their title, and it'll get a bad review. And someone's made a video basically trashing the game, calling it bad, and they literally just issue a copyright strike, take yep. the video down. Now, most developers don't do this because they see the benefit. And basically the free marketing that they get by having people play their games and upload the content on YouTube or Twitch. It's like most of them will actually go um, go the other direction and really embrace that side of people exploiting their IP. I think the company that does it best is Epic. By far, Epic mm. completely embraces their creator community. They are deeply involved they with all of their top creators. They literally pay them through supporter creator. They will pay them through supporter creator to be creating content and having people use their code. They are putting on tournaments for big creators. And obviously, to you know, the biggest extent, they're doing the Icon series where they're actually putting custom skins of creators into the game itself. Epic embraces this. They so embrace deeply. the creator community as being one of their biggest ingredients for success of Fortnite. Yeah, absolutely. Other games absolutely embrace it. They will pay people when new series or seasons release to make a video promoting the game. It is a marketing mechanism for them. I just thought of the most interesting tie-in. It is literally, well, not literally, but very fucking similar to our first topic. Wow. It okay, is, go on. Literally, it's it's the it's it's the question of is the promotion Who's getting the benefit? The same way that Facebook's like, no, no, no. Like when we post your article, we're driving traffic to your article. It's the exact same principle with YouTube as playing games. It's like YouTube's like, yeah, I'm making money off playing your game. Like I'm posting videos on it, but it's symbiotic. When I make a Fortnite video. Mm. I'm showing people how much fun I'm having playing your game and I'm driving people to download it. Yeah. Like I'm doing your marketing campaign for you. That is, that is actually, no. Wow. You gave me, you gave me a crazy look there when I said that. No, I'm on board now. identical to the Facebook news article thing. It's a symbiotic relationship. Sure. Facebook is making money off the news articles, but also they're making the news companies money by driving traffic to them. It's identical with YouTubers and playing games. Yes, the YouTuber is making money off something that the games company made. Wow, we were not predicting this tie-in, but also they're driving sales and downloads back to it. Very, apparently, so I was actually watching and reading a lot about it a year or two ago because I thought it was such an interesting take that Nintendo uh, would claim any video. Apparently, it's like something very deeply rooted in Japanese culture, which is this idea of... uh, exploiting or making money off someone else's product. 
It's like a very, yeah, apparently it's like a very deep rooted cultural thing. And that's why their stance on it was so hard. So um, they are slowly segueing out of it. And I think that, you know, they look around and they see Epic, you know, building some of the biggest IPs of all time through creators and creators kind of sharing their content. Um, But very interesting take. And I love how much that connects to Facebook. You know what? I went into this episode and I was like, these are two good topics. Like, not the normal kind of thing that we'd be talking about on Watch Time, but I actually feel like this was a super interesting conversation. I mean, I learned a lot for sure. Definitely. That was a cool tie-in. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, interesting. Good one, E. Guys, that's all we've got time for this week. Remember to like and subscribe and follow us on all the platforms. You know the drill. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.